0: touchdown Wisconsin and this game is underway with a bang
1: this is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports the Wisco sports show is on the air join in by phone or text at 796-2558 now here's
0: Grant Bills the day is here no more waiting no more waiting. Backers training camp underway uh, officially today. You know, you, you have the players filtering in and, and even the coaches, and sometimes they speak to the media and sometimes you hear things, but really today is when the action began, right? The first practice where they emerge from wherever it is. I don't know the geography of Lambeau Field and of Green Bay very well, but the players emerge and then they hop on the bikes with the kids and they bike over to the practice field and people are there watching, and it's just a zoo because everybody loves that football's back. Loves, loves, loves that we can talk about uh, practices and Aaron Rodgers throwing balls into nets and, and players without pads, right? And and oh, who's the challenger to Mason Crosby? Sam Ficken. Oh, we can talk about him and which punter is getting the most hang time, right? How much fun is that? And and much, much needed here uh, here in late July. We need a little bit of football, right? This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. We're going to talk a lot of Packers today. We're going to preview Brewers Cubs starting at 530 Training camp blows me away, and it never fails to amaze me because it's practice, right? It's just players without pads today doing little drills on the field, doing scrimmages, doing one-on-ones, doing teamwork. Like, Like It is a practice. People don't get fired up to watch practice unless it's NFL training camp. You should go on Twitter during one of these Packers practices, especially today, because it's just a constant stream of information that people want, that people crave, right? People look for, which is what amazes me. There is so much demand. There is so much interest for everything going on on the practice field today. It's not a real game. None of this matters. None of it counts. None of it goes in the record books. None of it is recorded, but people just crave it. Give it to me. Give it to me. How how far did, did so-and-so's punt go? Well, how many kicks did Sam Ficken make today? Well, how did this backup lineman look uh in in one on one drills. What about with the rest of the line? Did he fit in? Well, it's like, holy cow, we're on july twenty fifth. But if you go on Twitter, if you wherever you get your sports news, you're just gonna find so much of it. All the beat reporters just standing there just tweeting getting getting all that information out hang time of five point one three a distance of forty two yards. Uh, for the Packers punter, we'll see if he can if he can up that distance. Good hang time, but we'll see if he can up the distance over the course of camp. It's like what this is this is what's going on. You're tweeting out hang times. That's the craziness of Packers training camp, and I would imagine most training camps as well. I can't speak for the Vikings or for the Bears and what kind of following and what kind of interest they draw, but I would imagine it's it's one of the same. Lot of buzz around training camp today, and, and we talked a couple of days ago about what I want to see in camp, what I'm looking for. Obviously, I'm not there, so I'm only reading reports, seeing videos, reading tweets, reading information that's that normally comes through on the internet, um, and things that I'm looking for at camp, and some themes from today uh, that, that I've seen pop up in multiple places. So we'll talk a little bit about all that. Plus, we didn't really have a chance to get to it yesterday. I, I do want to share... Uh, the brief message and the few words that Brian Gudikins, the Packers general manager had to say yesterday uh, about the release of Mike Daniels because we're not we're not done talking about that not by a long shot plenty of Packers training camp talk to come you can join in if you'd like 608-796-2558 on the 5 Star Telecom talking text line maybe you went to green bay maybe you went to watch a practice today some jumped out to you let me know give me a call give me a text twitter is wide open as well i am at keystroker grant Uh, and everyone at the station is at WK2I. Either want to work, shoot me a tweet, tell me your thoughts about the Packers so far one day in uh, to the 2019-2020 regular season or or training camp before the regular season, I should say. A couple of days ago, we talked in generalities, right? We talked big picture, and I said, over the course of the training camp, uh, which lasts a couple of weeks, right? It, It comprises a lot of practices and some scrimmages, family night, Right, There's some joint practices with other teams and then some preseason games. Things that I'm looking for, things that I want to see, we talked in big picture the other day. So if you missed out on that or you don't remember, let me refresh you a little bit. These are the things that when I read the information, when I read articles, when I read reports or watch videos, these are the things I'm looking for uh, for this year's Green Bay Packers training camp. Okay, Number one, I, I don't know how meaningful this is in in game action and wins and losses. But I'm interested to see how camp is conducted differently uh, between coach Matt LaFleur and what it was under Mike McCarthy, right? I mean, there's already one difference before training camp even got started. We already noticed one difference. And that was that they're holding joint practices with the Texans. That never happened under Mike McCarthy. No way. This year, yep, let's do a joint practice. Let's get together with the Texans and, and work on some things and, and try to better our team that way. That's something I never saw under Mike McCarthy today. When I was reading tweets, reading reports, uh, Zach Heilprin, who's joined this show uh, from the Zone in Madison, and you hear his updates on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network, said a very big noticeable difference from last year was the tempo of practice. Right now, no downtime, everything going quick. I, I read a, a tweet from a beat reporter about how the Packers offense was running a play, sprinting to the end zone, running back, running a play. They're always moving, always doing something. I don't know what purpose that serves. Obviously, conditioning. But I'd like to think when you reach the NFL level, conditioning is a little bit more (laughs) refined than that, right? Maybe not running lines after practice or, oh, we we dropped a pass, go run a lap around the field, go down, touch the goalpost and come back. I can't imagine it's only conditioning, but there's a lot of tempo. There's urgency. There's not downtime. There's not wasted time. Something I saw in a couple of different places today, and that's a stark difference from what we saw under Mike McCarthy these last couple of years. I want to watch for the differences between the way McCarthy used to run things and the way Matt LaFleur is going to run things. Remember, we read reports in that Tyler Dunn article that the defense felt neglected by Mike McCarthy. He wasn't even interested in him. Didn't come over and and even give him the time of day. We'll see if Matt LaFleur handles that differently as well. Another thing, obviously, everybody's interested about the wide receiver battle. I don't know if it's a position battle, because I truly think it is Devontae Adams and everybody else. Now, eliminate Devontae Adams. Let's say he gets hurt, he misses a game, or God forbid, he misses a stretch of games. Then what? Right? Who becomes your number one ride receiver? Who's the guy who goes to the slot? Who's the guy who plays outside? They they have to they have to figure that out between Jamon Moore, Equinemius St. Brown, Marquez Valdez scaling, the three receivers who were drafted last year. They also have Trevor Davis. And they also have Jake Kumaro, who I think is going to be a really interesting cog in the wide receiver mix. They got to figure that out. A lot of times when I'm talking about a team in the preseason, before we've seen action, before we're trying to evaluate, we're trying to evaluate the roster and say how good they might be, right? I always like to say, okay, take the best player out of every position group. What do you got after that? Right? Take Devontae Adams out. What do you got? Well, we don't know yet. That's something we're going to have to figure out over the course of training camp. And, of course, the preseason is a great tool for that as well. Everybody's talking about the wide receivers. I don't see a lot of people talking about the running backs. I don't want to say I'm concerned by the running backs. I don't want to say I'm worried. But it raises an eyebrow when your running backs are Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, and, and Dexter Williams who's got a bit of an issue he couldn't even practice today. He wasn't around. He's got an illness. Not a long-term concern, Matt LaFleur reiterated to reporters, but let's say Aaron Jones gets hurt, which is a strong possibility given the last two years. Are you okay with Jamal Williams as your number one back and then Dexter Williams as your number two? I'm not sold on that. We've seen before. I mean, Aaron Jones didn't really get it going until last year, right? Those two, those three running backs they drafted, Devontae Mays the third, who's no longer around, it took them a little while to get going. You saw them flash. You, you saw the bits of talent here and there, but it took him a while to put it together. I, I'm not a strong believer that if Aaron Jones gets hurt, or even if Aaron Jones stays healthy, that that backfield is deep enough, that that backfield is strong enough. What if the running back position gets hit by injuries? I, I just don't have a lot of great depth there. And I do like Jamal Williams as a backup running back. But if Aaron Jones gets hurt, he's no longer a backup running back. And to me, that's an issue, especially given what you have behind Jamal Williams, which ain't much. Certainly no players that have proven themselves. And of course, I want to watch the defense. That was a huge, huge storyline that I saw being reported today is that the defense was leagues ahead of the offense. And that's to be understood because Mike Pettin and his system has been around. Matt LaFleur's installing new things. So I'm not... Complaining, I'm I'm not bashing on the offense, but the defense looked really, really good. And I actually saw a couple of beat reporters, mostly Aaron Nagler from Cheesehead TV, used to be at Bleacher Report, Sports Illustrated, used to be at uh, um, PackersNews.com, talking about the secondary's playing great. They're all over the receivers. No space, none. Making life really hard for wide receivers and for Aaron Rodgers. Now, no pads, first day, new offensive system, but kind of thing you like to hear when the secondary should be pretty good. A lot of high draft picks back there. high price free agents. I guess really only Tremont Williams in the case of free agency. But Adrian Amos as well. I mean, they did spend some money in, in the secondary just at the safety position, not at the cornerback position. Made life really hard today on the wide receivers. And I think this Packers secondary could be really good. I thought that before today. Uh, but some of the reports I read, it's like, okay, that sounds about right. They should, they should be ahead of the offense. They've got the advantage of being with Mike Pettin for a couple of years now and, and being upper level draft picks and high price free agents, that secondary should be really, really good. So it seems that they are they are right on track. We didn't get a chance to talk about it yesterday. We gave reaction. We gave thoughts. We gave opinions about Mike Daniels being released by the Green Bay Packers. What we really didn't get to was what Brian Gudekinst had to say. We're coming down, uh, coming down to the wire on yesterday's show. The Brewer game was going on. I just didn't get to it. I went and listened to the press conference this morning and... and Listen to his justification, his reasoning, his logic behind letting Mike Daniels go. I want to share with you just a tiny little soundbite or two. I'm not going to bombard you uh, with minutes of rambling uh, by a member of the Packers front office, but a a tidbit here and there that I found interesting and and found to be a good explanation on why Mike Daniels is no longer on that roster. We'll break that down. We also have a Brewers-Cubs preview starting at 5.30, huge weekend series, and we got to dig into that. All of that coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show presented by Play It Again Sports. You're listening on WKTY.
2: Just kind of wanted to start off thanking Mike Daniels. Uh, for his, ef- his work ethic, his effort, uh, his play, he's a really good player here. Um, you know, kind of from the moment we drafted him, he's a true professional. Um, so he'll be missed.
0: Packers general manager Brian Gutekunst thanking Mike Daniels on his way out the door. To begin his press conference yesterday, Mike Daniels released early yesterday morning to the shock into the surprise of most Packer fans, myself included. Once you get past that original surprise, you can Maybe start to figure out why. Maybe you say, okay, I, I kind of get it. Once you get past that original shock, I, I, I still hate to see a great player walk out the door. And I guess that's my my resounding argument against releasing Mike Daniels. And look, I'll admit some bias. I love Mike Daniels. I think for good reason. I actually own a Mike Daniels jersey. I, I think he was my second favorite Packer behind Aaron Rodgers. And I hate to see him go because I think he's a really, really talented player. So Brian Gutekunst... Going to the podium yesterday, making himself available, which I really appreciate. It's nice to have a general manager who goes to the podium and answers questions and gives information and reasoning and logic behind the moves that he makes. And some people are going to hear that and say, oh God, Grant's taking a shot at Ted Thompson. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not. But you have to admit, it's a little bit unfair for a general manager to be pulling all the strings to cut a player, to draft a player, to bring in a player. And then to stay in his office and force the head coach who may or may not know a whole lot about the situation to go out and answer questions and, and provide arguments and, and, and face heat from reporters for the actions and, and for for things that the head coach had nothing to do with. It was the general manager. So it's nice to see uh, that Gutekind shows a little bit of responsibility, a little bit of accountability for his actions. Uh, do, you, do you like Game of Thrones? You Game of Thrones fan? I, I was watching last night. Uh, and I believe in the first season, this is where it originated, uh, Ned Stark told his children, I don't remember if it was John or if it was, uh, who's the other one? The young wolf, Ned Stark. Oh God, I'm embarrassed. I can't even remember. Told his son that the one who passes the sentence must swing the sword, right? If you condemn a man to death, you better be the one to do it, right? Well, if you are the one to release a player, then you go to the podium then you answer questions to the media, not the head coach. How's that? That's your that's your Game of Thrones uh, reference today. How's that sound? We got that out of the way. With I love the responsibility, love the accountability, and I'm going to be honest. I love Brian Gutekunst and his press conferences because they are short and to the point. He's asked a question, and if he's going to answer it, he answers it, and if not, he says, "I'm not. I'm not really excited about sharing that. That's a private conversation. I'm not willing to to, to say that. That's going to stay between me and a player. Very to the point." Doesn't beat around the bush. And for me, who has to watch a lot of these press conferences to see if there's anything interesting, normally there's not. Yesterday, there was a little bit. I mean, point blank, obviously, the press conference began with. uh, Why? Why'd you let him go?
2: You know, I think, obviously, there's choices, you know, that you have to make. Some are more long-term, you know, choices that you have to make. Looking out forward, Um, we feel pretty good about the depth we have in our defensive line room right now. Um, And these things are never easy, but... um, you know, we wanted to make sure we had some flexibility moving into, you know, the years ahead.
0: Flexibility, flexibility. All right, I'm going to hold on to that. Flexibility, okay? Moving into the years ahead. Now, I don't know if that means 2019 or 2020, 2021. I don't know what that means, but flexibility. All right, that's a big selling point, right? Big selling point. Now, what it comes down to yesterday, we talked about, are the Packers better or worse? Because flexibility, cap space, those are all, those are all, ways to improve a team right if you have cap space that's a way to get better if you have flexibility that's a way to get better well that always isn't preferable to just keeping a good player right would you rather have a good player who makes your team good or would you rather get rid of a good player in 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 favor for flexibility or for cap space which you could then turn into a good player right a a bird in the hand for me is worth two in the bush. And and I think the two birds in the bush are flexibility and cap space, and the bird of the hand is Mike Daniels, somebody you drafted and and developed and brought through your system, turned into a really good player, fourth-round player, right? I'll take the bird in the hand. You can have the two in the bush. But Brian Gudekinst asked, what is your plan for that cap space? Well, Why is that so important to you, that $8.3 million that you're going to save this year by cutting Mike Daniels?
2: I think it just gives us a little bit more Flexibility. Flexibility. um you know as you guys know this is this is ever changing and we're evaluating our roster from day to day um and I think this gives us the flexibility to you know if something comes this season that we feel we need to do um it gives us that flexibility uh but even more so I think down the road uh and years to come and it, it kind of opens up some things up for us
0: obviously flexibility is a big theme right he says something near the end there that kind of Kind of rose my eyebrows just a little bit. Let's see, if, let's see if we can catch that again. Talking about if something comes up this season.
2: Uh, but even more so, I think down the road, and uh, years to come, it, it kind of opens up some things up for us. Okay, well, that's not what I wanted. Let's try this part. Comes this season that we feel we yeah, need. Yeah, something comes up this season. You know, if something comes this season that we feel we need to do, um, it gives us that flexibility. If something comes this season,
0: gives us that flexibility, what does that mean? If another great player is cut, well, great player, if another good player is cut, and becomes a free agent this late into the cycle whether that's in training camp or during the preseason or at the beginning of the regular season right they want that flexibility they don't want to be handcuffed and not able to go out and get a player that they want so once again the bird in the hand is Mike Daniels and they are favoring the two birds in the bush. Well, what if so-and-so becomes available? We want to be able to buy that. What what if this player wants a contract extension? What, What if, what if, what if down the line? Those are the birds in the bush. You had Mike Daniels right in your hand for one more year to be a part of hopefully something special this year because you only have so many years left with Aaron Rodgers, right? You got to make the most of them. You want the sure thing. You want Mike Daniels. You don't want cap space. You don't want flexibility down the line. That could lead to a good player. Mike Daniels is a good player. Of course, Brian Gudikin says. You hear general managers talk about this all the time. We're excited about our guys. You know, we got some guys coming up. We're real excited about. Normally, it's it's players that that general manager has drafted after uh, letting go of a, of a player from a previous regime, right? Well, we're excited about our guys. Brian Gudikin's doing that whole uh, song and dance as well, talking about. I think got a lot of guys coming yeah, up. We're that excited, excited about. about
2: the guys we got. Um, Mike's a very good player, and you never want to see a good player walk out the door. Um, but um, there's also guys that are, are kind of eager and ready to you know, have their shot. Uh, and we're excited to see what they can do.
0: Very eager, excited to have their shot. Look, part of having players that are eager and excited on the bench as part of your depth, that's a good thing, right? You want guys trying to prove themselves, right? That's how you get motivated. That's how you get guys who are willing to play just a little bit harder because they know, man, I deserve a bigger role. Now, I'm not saying the Packers should purposefully keep good talent down on the depth chart, right? Lower down. But just because you have depth at a position doesn't mean you need to to go dispatch some of that depth, some of those good players, right? Sometimes depth is just good. You can never have too many good players. I, I think the same thing about the Brewers when they traded Domingo Santana. You didn't have to do that. Well, where's he gonna play? How's he gonna get it back? He proved his weight as a pinch hitter last year. He doesn't have to play every day. Ryan Braun needs time off all the time, right? Lorenzo Kane's been banged up a little bit, and I don't think that's gonna get better as he grows older. So why let him go? Well, we can't get him playing time. That's not that's not the job of the team, right? You're not an agent. You're not representing that player. You're representing the team. And you want as many good players on that team as possible. Here, Brian Goodikins talks about, well, he's a good player. You
2: hate to see good players walk out the door, you know. Um, Mike's a very good player. And you never want to see a good player walk out the door.
0: Well, you did want to see him walk out the door because he did walk out the door because you cut him. I'm not hating on the flexibility that the Packers now have or the cap space that they've now accrued and can roll over uh, not only in this year, but to the next as well. It's always good to be flexible. But I don't choose flexibility. I don't choose cap space over a, a commodity that I have that I know, right? Two birds in the bush is not worth the bird in the hand, right? Mike Daniels is in your hand. Flexibility, cap space, future, that's in a that's in a bush somewhere. Okay, that's down the line. And sometimes like like Gutekind said, you have to make decisions that are in the long term. Mike Daniels only has a year left on his contract. You pay out that 10.6 or whatever it was, million dollars to Mike Daniel, and he's gone. Poof, whoosh, off the books next year. Gone. Just like that. 608-796-2558. Before we get to Brewers Cubs talk, before we take a break, uh, we do got to take a phone call. Uh, The five-star telecom talking text line, talking Mike Daniels, talking Packers training camp. What's up? Welcome to the Wisco Sports Show.
1: Hey, man. How you doing today?
0: Good. What's going on?
1: Hey, yeah, I'm chiming in on the Daniels thing. You've been hitting on it. I'm I'm a little bit more on the positive side of it, even though I do agree with you. You know what you have in Mike Daniels. He is a good player. Just a few points that I've heard, you know, through numerous, numerous adventures, you know, seeking out what I can read about it and listen about it. But one is that Mike Patton liked Mike Daniels as a player, but didn't necessarily think that the style of Mike Daniels fit into his scheme and what he needed from that big body up front. Another is that Daniels is coming off a a somewhat significant foot injury, and longtime Packers doctor McKenzie, I believe, is gone. And the guy that they now are working with is, like, the leading orthopedic surgeon in the country. He did Richard Sherman surgery for him, amongst many others. Maybe he saw something in that foot on Daniels that made him raise an eyebrow and say to the GM, hey, we could lose this guy at any point this season, and by cutting him, although you're, you're prognosticating something that could happen, you're saving yourself that injury settlement and that contract, and instead you're saving a lot of money there. I think they want that money to sign Blake Martinez sure. for a long-term deal during the season or right before the season. But that's all I've got as far as other takes. I mean, everything else you're saying is spot on, man. I mean, Daniels is a good player. Chippy, he's tough, he's aggressive along with the fact that he's very good and that defense really lacked guys to do that and it'd be nice to add some around Daniels but last year of a contract I guess you cut a player one year too early than one year too late Belichick's been doing it for a long time, that's all I got man.
0: Yeah, I appreciate the phone call, thank you uh, very very much and I like all the points you made and it comes back to Mike Daniels not fitting with what Mike Petton wants in this current group of players, right? Like you said, he's not versatile. Right, he's injury prone. Those two free agents they brought in to Rudge the Ashes, they they don't get hurt, right? Dean Lowry doesn't get hurt. They don't miss games. That's why they value those players. And Mike Daniels really doesn't fit that bill, unfortunately. And it's and it's too bad. Um, and, and maybe there's something with that foot as well. As players get older, it, it typically gets more difficult to stay healthy. That's always the case. So when we come back, I gotta talk Brewers. I gotta talk Cubs. We're gonna be joined in studio by a guest from CBS eight, uh, the CBS affiliate in town. Ryan is gonna join us. He's covered uh, Chicago sports for them, and and, and uh, is an expert on the Cubs, expert on the Bears. He's joined us in the past. We're gonna preview this weekend series, preview the trade deadline. We're gonna have a Brewers Cubs chat coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show. Don't go anywhere. Back in a moment here on WKTY. <laughs> This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY 96.7 FM, 580 AM. My name is Grant Bills. Thanks for hanging out. Uh, Packers training camp is underway. got underway officially. On-field activities, practices, everything going down today. Uh, and we just talked about a ton of it. If you missed out, find it, WKTYsports.com. Just click on the podcast tab, as always. You can find the entire show there every single night. Check out what you missed. I, I do want to get into Brewers. We have to talk Brewers-Cubs. I think this is... I think this is the biggest series of the year. I know I said that about the Red Series, but now that that's gone, we can have a new biggest series of the year. The Brewers off today and here joining us and has joined the show before Ryan Giannone of News 8, the CBS affiliate in town, uh, who has covered the Bears, who has covered uh, events specifically with Chicago teams for for News 8 before. So I said, let's bring him in. Let's do like this big preview, the Cubs preview, the trade deadline for both of these teams and talk about the NL uh,
3: Central as well. Gio, Ryan Giannone, what's going on, man? Hey, thank you for having me on. It's always a pleasure to come here. You know, it's just a great time spent here in the studio with you, Grant. No, it's going
0: to be fun. Last time you joined us, I think was after Bears-Packers Week One. Is yeah, that, when you, yeah, and, that was and, where I was at, and you were the over the phone, and and you were in the locker room. You saw, and I'm, and I apologize for making you relive that as a diehard Bears fan and a yeah, passionate Bears fan. Yeah. <laughs> It was. A, I mean, that was a cool game to take in. Either way, it just sucks when it's against. Yeah,
3: anytime you witness history, you know Aaron Rodgers doing his thing every day, night in and night out. So well, it was, you knew it was still it too. cool Yeah, it, you sit there in the locker room and you, you, or even in the the media room, and you just hear people. You, just, you could, the stadium had a feel to it. Mm-hmm. You know he was coming back. Well, you said coming out of the
0: second half when the Bears, did the Bears go three and out. To start the second half?
3: Yeah, it was probably, I think you said, I was telling like people in the media room, there's something like that. Said, the Bears don't score here on this drive. They will lose this game. And th- at the time it was 20 to nothing. Yeah. So I I fully expected it because I've just seen it my whole life. So
0: God, you're beaten down, is it? Well, luckily we don't have to talk about the Bears today. Yeah. Maybe later this season. Uh, I, I want to talk about the Cubs. I want to talk about the Brewers. So let me let me fill you in with where I've been, what I've been saying. The, the, I think the stretch between the All-Star break and today was a huge litmus test for the Brewers, right? Because you kind of had some time to figure out your pitching, your bullpen, your offense, your lineup. Because once you hit this off day today, you got the Cubs series over the weekend and you got the trade deadline next Wednesday. So it gets real fast starting tomorrow. And I feel like that stretch for the Brewers was... I don't know if it told us anything. I still don't really know what this Brewer team is. And I wanted to ask you about it. I know you don't watch the Brewers games like I do or like our listeners do. But sometimes I think we get trapped in a bubble. I mean, this is the Wisco sports. We talk about Wisconsin sports. Sometimes it's it's helpful to get an outsider perspective. I don't say outsider in a bad way, but somebody who maybe has a different look at it. So as you've watched the Brewers up until today, July 25th, what has been your impression of them so far this regular season?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I was uh, actually watching a little bit of the Brewers Red Series, um, and I was listening to Brian Anderson talk a little bit on the show. He was talking about how Brewers kind of got, started to get things going, rolling a little bit, and then they had a couple, you know, punches there with injuries and stuff. And you know, that's always tough when you know you look at your rotation and you see guys that are struggling like Chasin you know, that maybe haven't been able to get it to going together this year. Yeah, he hasn't won since like April thirtieth, yeah. and you know, the Cubs have you know many of those issues as well. Uh, but on another note, but you know, like that's just another thing for the team to deal with night in and night out. So it's, you know, sometimes very difficult, and you get in those stretches where, you know, sometimes every game feels like a grind. And right now, I kind of see that with the Brewers you know, post All Star break, much like the Cubs had pre All Star break. Yeah. It, I could not wait for the Cubs to get to the All Star break to hit the reset button a little bit. Yeah. And you know, in their favor, they've been eight and four since the All-Star break, and the Cardinals also hit the reset button. They've been 9-1 and one since the All-Star break. Um, so they're, you know, in their last 10, 9-1 or whatever I saw. But they have been, you know, playing both those teams have been playing good ball. Brewers, a little bit of a rough stretch. I, I think this whole season's felt like a grind. Outside of
0: the first, I don't know what they started. They start 8-1 and one or 7-1 and one or something like that. And then since then, they've been kind of just playing 500 baseball. And I, I, was, t- I was saying yesterday, I watched the game yesterday afternoon uh last couple probably the last the fourth through the ninth inning I was able to sit down and watch yesterday and then came in and did my show so it was fresh in my mind and I was talking with with our audience I said it didn't even occur to me that the Brewers were in the game like (laughs) that they could win like I I looked up in like the sixth inning I was like damn it's a 1-1 game like like they could win this I was so beaten down for those first two games against the Reds it felt like the game started and by the second or third inning the Brewers were down 5 to zero, six to 0 and I'm like I can't even watch this. This isn't I there's no reason for me to keep watching this. I'm not engaged, right? And yesterday, when it was close, I, I almost just fell into that habit of just tuning it out. And I'm like, yeah. wait, this is a one run game. And, and I do think it's it's kind of been exhausting. It's been a grind, like you said. And I don't really know where the brewers go from here because I, I don't know if a move or two at the deadline changes a whole lot, makes them good enough to get back to or past where they were last year. I, I just don't see it.
3: Yeah, the hitting. I think the hitting talent is you know it's there with that team. But right now, you know they have been getting banged up on the pitching side. Maybe some things haven't panned out, you know, like like we have maybe expected coming into the season. So for the Brewers, I do still think that they're going to be buyers come the deadline. I don't think you'll see. I don't think this deadline altogether is going to be like a major one, you know. Yeah. In in years past, but I feel like the Brewers still will be uh, buyers, and I do think that. You know they might not land a huge name. I don't think there won't be many teams landing huge names this year. Yeah. For for some reason, I just have that feeling. But you know, the Brewers, I do think will definitely be buyers. Well, well, let's they're talk- right there. I mean, they're only two games out of yeah. it too. Like you're, like we're talking about.
0: It's hard to, and, and the Brewers can only be sellers to a certain extent. When I say sellers, maybe you sell off guys on one year contracts. You're not unloading Yelich. You're not unloading yeah. Kane. You're not rebuilding. You're not tearing no. it down. When I say selling, it would essentially mean, okay, well, you're not buying. You're not going for it. You're you're strategically taking a player or two here and there and and seeing if you can get a couple of prospects to reload for next year. Let's talk about the trade deadline a little bit because everybody's saying, well, it's going to be big. It's going to be crazy. So many teams are contending. So many teams are right there. And now I'm reading things. It's been eerily quiet. There hasn't been a ton of interest. It's been quiet. And and some people have said, well, just wait until that first deal, right? And then it all unloads. I'm not convinced that this is going to be a wild trade deadline. I I think it. A lot of teams just might kind of stand pat because they are so close. There's only so many players to buy from bad teams. I I just don't necessarily buy into the idea that this trade deadline is going to see a bunch of huge name,
3: high level players trading teams. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, we just said first through third in the entire NL Central's. You know, two two games is is all that separates them because Cardinals now have tied the Cubs for first. And you see big names that like one of the hot commodities of this trade deadline, Whit Merrifield uh, from the Royals. I just had been reading right before on my way here um, that Royals are not open to trading him at this point in time. So that maybe could be a bluff to maybe get a, a more of a you know a more of a get for him. Offer, yeah. yeah, that could be you know a strategic move. But you know a guy as such as you know Whit, who his a lot of teams expressed interest. You know Phillies, Braves, Cubs. Now all of a sudden maybe no no they don't want to trade them start to you know raise question marks and then question the whole you know how big is the trade deadline truly going to be
0: yeah well I think this trade deadline could also follow the trend that we've seen the last couple of years in baseball and that's GMs just aren't willing to overpay they're not sometimes even willing to pay fair value right like I I've seen general managers straight up say. No, it's okay. We don't think you're worth that much. And just everybody will pass. It's wild. I've never, you don't see that in the NBA. You don't see it in the NFL. I think GMs now in front offices are so buried in analytics, which isn't a bad thing, that that they've quantified all these players to very specific values, and they're not willing to overpay for what they believe is that player's value. And I get it. It's stingy. Like front offices are getting stingy, and I just don't know if that many players are going to get moved. I'll ask you about the Cubs. Are there any names that have been strongly mentioned? Like it's easy to look around and and Google a list like top ten pitching prospects yeah, available and say, yeah. okay, well they should look at these guys. Have there any been any concrete rumors? Teams are in discussions. The Cubs are actually making calls on anybody.
3: Yeah, uh, one I know for a fact, and Nick Castellanos uh, from the Tigers. You know, a good piece, utility type guy, outfielder mainly. But you know, a guy like that, I, well, Cubs do need a bat um, at the front of their lineup, ideally. They also need a left hand reliever and a right hand reliever and with yeah. a two hundred and twenty million dollar payroll. That's kind of shocking to even be asking at this point, because yeah. Cubs have one of the bigger payrolls in all of MLB. So to have that issue right now sitting here. But then again, the Cubs also have guys that are haven't played much at all this season, like Ben Zobrist, who mm-hmm. I've hearing rumors of him coming back mid to late August because he has you know issues, personal issues of his own or now Brandon Morrow, you know, a great pitcher but just had been riddled with injuries. He yeah. hasn't even it's thrown been out a for pitch. a while. Hasn't thrown a pitch this year for the Cubs. Has had two setbacks during rehab alone and the latest report said mid uh, mid to late August at the earliest. So that right there leaves you with I mean what do you do at this deadline? Cuz yeah. then you could be either overloaded with the team which maybe would be a good problem to have but who knows at this point? Well,
0: well, let's talk about Brandon Morrow and Ben Zobrist because, to me, those are two very different pitchers. Now, they're in similar situations. They've been injured the majority of the year, especially Brandon Morrow, who missed a lot of last year as well. But to me, Ben Zobrist is a guy you can get back in mid-August because he does so many different things. You can use him as a utility man, a pinch hitter. Yeah. I mean, if he's your pinch hitter, your go-to pinch hitter, you're You you get, you're in a good spot, yeah. Yeah. right? And, and I don't think it takes him a while to get back to where the Cubs need him to be to be useful. For Brandon Morrow... like late-inning, high-leverage relievers, that's hard to replicate, especially <laughs> in is. a year-plus of being in the minors, being, doing rehab assignments. I think that's a tall ask for him to come back and, and be a useful part of that bullpen. So, so I definitely get why the Cubs are saying, well, we need a lot of relievers, both right-handed and left-handed, wh- whatever we can find. I think a lot of teams are looking for relief help. So, Ryan, I know you're going to stick around. Let's continue to track trade deadline, and then also maybe talk about this weekend series as well. Because this just has a feeling like like storm clouds are converging on Miller Park right now, in my opinion. Like I just, it's going to be an imp- really important series for both teams, and yeah. I think it's it's going to be a series to watch. So we'll talk about that as well. Ryan Giannoni from uh, from News Eight from CBS in town, joining us to talk Cubs trade deadline, everything going on uh, with the Milwaukee Brewers. We'll be right back to wrap up the Wisco Sports Show presented by Played Against Sports. You're listening to WKTY. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. I am your host. Thanks for hanging out. We're covering a lot of ground today, and it, and it kind of feels like something big is about to happen. The cal- This is the word I'm looking for. The calm before the storm. That's what I'm feeling right now. Brewers, Cubs this weekend at Miller Park, and, and here to talk about it and the trade deadline. All things Animal Central is uh, CBS 8's Ryan Giannone, who is, uh, who is my classmate at UWL as well. You're all over doing a bunch of different broadcasting stuff. Kinda of like I am. So it's yeah, good to have you. Definitely
3: just trying to, you know, get as much experience as possible. So oh, yeah. And
0: and I, I think we're having a really good conversation. It's nice to have an outside perspective because one thing that I might not be is is sometimes I fail to look at Wisconsin sports teams like an outsider because I'm not an outsider and I'm not calling you an outsider. I feel like that word I feel like that <laughs> word carries like a like a negative vibe. But it's nice to get that outside perspective. I remember earlier this summer, man, you were feeling it. You were feeling the Cubs, you were down on the Brewers. And I remember you told me nobody in that lineup outside of Yelich, pff, nobody worries me, right? And at the <laughs> time I'm like, damn, maybe he's right. And the, the Brewers offense hasn't been bad. Mustakas has had a great year and RC has been up and down and bronze flashed, but it, it doesn't feel like they put it together. Like it feels like a, a car that's driving down the street and it just can't get going. Like 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 the, yeah, the 101 Dalmatians car. like That's kind of what this Brewers team feels like. And even so, six days away from the trade deadline, I still really don't know what they are. Or if they could get going.
3: You know what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, the Brewers, like we said, they might be in... I think they, that they're that they definitely a team that could just catch fire. Oh, yeah. With, you know, and then all of a sudden, especially with this upcoming series, let's just say they they sweep the cubs theoretically they sweep the cubs now hypothetically hypothetically <laughs> they sweep the cubs they maybe get a few arms at the trade deadline maybe a bat who knows and then they come back out their next series and they have a sweep or something or they win 5 out of 6 oh, now and now now the whole dynamic is shifted yep, yep. this whole NLC that's how i mean that's how close these teams are and that's how i think i they, their records may not show it because they beat up on each other so often i mean the reds they have hold, held their own in the entire year so far. They have they have a winning record against the Cubs, and they had up until yesterday's game with the Brewers. They had a winning record against the Brewers yeah. too. So, who knows what's going to end up happening and kind of you know figuring out as this trade deadline approaches. The Reds, the Reds are a good
0: team. I, this division yeah. has beat up on each other. It yeah. feels like months. Well, it has been months since the Brewers played the Cardinals because they had so many games yeah. with the Cardinals right away. So at some point, God, we got to play the Cardinals again too. He, here's what. I have been kicking I've been kicking around this idea and I've yet to really I've yet to really double down on it like for sure I, I think if the Brewers lose two of three or they get swept by the Cubs this weekend to flip your situation around if I'm David Stearns I, I'm calling about Mike Mustakis. Okay. because yeah. because in, in so Mike Mustakis, he has Money ground dollar both on one- year deals all yeah. right as we know yeah. And the Brewers' payroll is at a, is a, a a historic high right now. It's never been this high before. So I have a hard time believing that they're bringing both of those players back next year because I don't think Yasmani Grandal or Moose wants to say, "Okay, sure, we'll take one more one year deal." Like I don't I don't think that's in their best interest, and why, and why should it be? I think you can sell off Mike Moustakis because the Brewers called up Travis Shaw today. She's seen to the to the IL. Travis Shaw comes up. You have it middle infield with with Hira, with Shaw, with Saladino, who's been okay. You can put Travis Shaw back at third base and you can sell off Mustakis for play. Now, hold on to Grondahl because if you sell off Dahl, you're dropping back to Manny Pena and I don't know, Jacob Nottingham, if you want to make a call up. Like that's a drastic drop off. You yeah, sell that Moose, is. that's not as drastic of a drop off, especially if Travis Shaw can get it going and he's been raking in the minors. For me, that's kind of like a soft sell, right? We're going to sell off from an area we have depth. We're going to hold on to Grondahl because we want to give this team a chance to get hot. Like you said, you don't want to take away their ability to get hot at the right time. That's where I'd be sitting if I wake up Monday and the Brewers lose two or three or get swept and and look bad. Yeah,
3: I think it might be time to to maybe trade Moustakis. which makes total sense too because Moose. I mean he he's a player that got a great feeler. I mean he's a great bat too, so you can maybe flip him for a couple guys in return too. Mm -hmm. That maybe just add more depth. Like you're saying, you might you might be subtracting that depth at third, but you, if the Brewers then end up getting hot and you maybe flip them for two two players that can maybe provide depth down the road. Mm-hmm. In another I think position. It's, yeah, in other positions. That definitely is a, a thing that, or a, a play and a position that you can definitely do.
0: I hate the idea of selling because last year you're one game away from the World Series. Yeah. You go out and you get better. Problem is, I don't believe in this pitching, Gio. I, I complained to you a couple of weeks ago. It, it is so difficult for me to think that like the average length of a Brewers start is like three innings four at four and a third four and four and two thirds like the last time a Brewers pitcher si- pitched six innings I don't even know I can't even remember yeah it's and I just don't difficult. think I and I know that last year the Brewers did it without great starting pitching but I think we downplay how good Yoli Chasin was and how good Wade Miley was down the stretch and 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 it, other starters down the stretch as well played really well but that bullpen was so good. And and this bullpen for the Brewers right now is not nearly at the level that it was last year. You lose Corey Canable, Jeremy Jeffers is a shell of himself. Josh yeah. Hader is still Josh Hader, but Utah last year and Corbin Burns was incredible. Like they had four or five guys pitching at, at a closer caliber level. You don't have that this year. And, and to think that you're going to make a playoff run with starters that can't get through 3 innings,
3: like I don't buy into that. And that's what makes you know the game of baseball so difficult from one like to be continually a winner and been and in this game yeah. and like just be so dominant because it's crazy how much one year makes you can have a couple key injuries and then some guys start feeling pressed to maybe pick up the slack and then all of a sudden well you know then, then now things are not panning out for them like we see the brewers and i'm not obviously going to write them off because there's why would you at this point yeah. there's so much left of the season and the brewers I mean, they doubted – they proved me wrong last year. I didn't think there was a shot that they were winning the Central. I didn't think there was a shot they were catching the Cubs. And all of a sudden, they caught fire at the right time, you know, with a lot of clutch plays and clutch hits. And and key moments for them from players that really proved themselves last year. And so this team, you know, very dangerous uh, moving forward. Whether or not – I mean, they'll weather the storm here. They have enough veterans on that team and leadership. To weather the storm and and hopefully get through it for them.
0: I'm looking ahead at, at the probables this weekend, and for the Brewers, I mean probables is, I mean they only have three starting pitchers, yeah. so <laughs> it's not like this is getting changed up. Yeah. So you get Gio Gonzalez, Chase Anderson, Zach Davies. I, I look over at the Cubs side. I love I love Kyle Hendricks. Yeah, I, you I, love
3: his, his. I do when he goes late in games with like 89 it. pitches, you complete game.
0: I I love his demeanor. I love everything about Kyle yeah. Hendricks. John Lester obviously is 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 great and has been. Uh, this season and last. But then Quintana. Quintana is the pitcher who I think is Brewers fans, and this is where I need an outside perspective. We have an image of him as a guy who's always pitching against the Brewers and always pitching really, really well. What kind of year has he had outside of pitching against Milwaukee? What's the state of Quintana right now? Because I think you kind of know what to expect with Hendricks and Lester on Sunday with Quintana. What, what, what kind of season is he having? What should we expect?
3: Well, Q, he's he has definitely had a. This has probably been his worst season under in a Cubs uniform yeah. uh, since we've got him from the White Sox. But like we've talked about this before, I know we off off the record here. Yeah, Jose Quintana to the Brewers is what Wade Miley was to the Cubs last year. They just couldn't hit him. Yeah. So he ha- he has had his last three starts have not been good at all. So he, it would not surprise me in least he just shakes off this this Russ starts fresh maybe goes 6 or 7 one run 8 and 8 or 9 Ks against the brewers just cuz this is how it's been going for them i would not that would not surprise me in the least uh but yeah overall is he's easily been the second to uh worst pitcher and as of late he has been the you know he's been a little bit of a rough stretch as Darvish has now come out last couple outings have been pretty dang pretty dang solid
0: been okay yeah. i i think you look at the the cubs they have multiple starting pitchers who are competent. The Brewers had one, and he is now going to miss six weeks, and Brandon Woodruff going to the aisle. Outside of that, Jay I... Anderson wasn't supposed to be in the rotation. <laughs> Zach know. Davies was at the very tail end of the rotation, and Gio Gonzalez was like, a, oh, crap, what are we going to do? Oh, great, Gio became available. Let's bring him back. It's just a hodgepodge, man. I I, I don't know. So uh, Ryan Giannone, CBS uh, News 8 in town. I appreciate it as always. I'm sure we'll call on you again during football. season. you going to cover any games this fall?
3: Absolutely. It's a pleasure coming in too.
0: Yeah, thank you. I'm excited for, for football season. I got an email this morning about the schedule for calling games. So I'm just excited to, to be back in action this fall. Gio, thanks again. We'll enjoy some Brewers-Cubs games this weekend. I'll be back tomorrow to preview it one more time. Talk training camp. Talk everything. This is the Wisco Sports Show. Same time, same place tomorrow. Talk to you then. Yeah.